2: The Mandy Connell Show is sponsored by Bell and Pollock Accident and Injury Lawyers. Now it's Mandy Connell on KOA eight fifty AM and ninety four one FM.
3: Good afternoon. It's Mike Rosen in for Mandy just today, and Mandy will be back on Monday. On this nice Friday, the tenth of. June already, summer's almost here. Dave Lauer alongside. Hello, Dave. How are you doing?
4: Terrific. How are you on Good. a Friday?
3: Good. So now, during the pandemic, even even in the latter stages as it was fading, uh, you and Mandy and a lot of people were doing this remotely from your homes.
4: We still are, to a large extent.
3: Yeah. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yep. What's the criteria
4: for when you do uh, Well, it's, it's no longer really the criteria of the pandemic. It's more conditions. Who do we have guests in studio? Who do we have guests that we'll use on Zoom? That kind of thing. All right, so what do you prefer, home or here? Home, no question. Really? I, I, I find I'm more productive at home.
3: You've heard that Musk has said that all of his workers have to be at the workplace at yes. least 40 hours a week. wonder whether that's going to be a trend. It seems to me, while it's certainly more convenient for people to stay home, An awful lot of jobs do require your presence at the workplace, and that kind of interaction face-to-face with people, it strikes me as more productive. Um, I I wonder when the trend line is going to flip on that, whether people will prefer to go to work or whether the employers will say, no, you're going to have to come in the office.
4: I wonder if the employers will realize that in some cases their employees are more productive from home because they don't hang around the, the, the water cooler talking all day.
3: Yeah, and a lot of diligent workers will be just as diligent at home, but I think many more will be gaming the system and not
4: being nearly as productive. That, that could be, and uh, employers will find out and uh, act accordingly. All right.
3: Okay, uh, I want to talk about the Soviet-style show trials now taking place in the U.S. House of Representatives and being broadcast on all the networks except for Fox. That's true. And Fox is being criticized now by yes. the New York Times. How can you not do this? How about redundancy? How about this is a sham, it's a show trial. It's, it's so transparently contrived. But I'm going to get to that later. Uh, first, I want to talk about how the left politicizes school shootings. Our telephone number is 303-713-8585. Although I notice, filling in for Mandy and even for Ross, we get a lot fewer phone calls than we used to on talk radio. Not just here, but everywhere. Is, is that the case? I think it is. Too bad. I kind of prefer. However, I do have the capability of of getting text text messages and talking about
4: throws them. That seems to have replaced uh, phone yeah, calls you know, to I, a large extent. I, I resisted that earlier, up
3: till a year ago, uh, just because I prefer the interaction verbally. However, I'm uh, just <laughs> I'm. Taking a look at reality and, and, and making a change in that policy consequently, since what can you do? All right. You remember the, the, uh, the Buffalo school shooting, right? Uh, that was uh, early in May. Just 10 days after that Buffalo school shooting, yet another deranged sociopath struck a school in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, predictably, Anti-gun liberals instantly exploited that calamity to advance their political agenda and attack their enemies. It's kind of funny, too, in a way. I don't mean funny, haha. Liberals generally don't hold the killers to blame, or at least exclusively to blame. Uh, They're just the helpless helpless victims of a mental disorder. Uh, No, no, it's mostly the fault of society. The fault of guns, the fault of the NRA, the fault of defenders of the Second Amendment, and, of course, the fault of Fox News. That's the liberal mentality. Uh, Peyton Gendron was the Buffalo shooter. Liberal media vultures swooped down almost instantaneously on who else? Do you recall who else was blamed by media liberals and others? Tucker Carlson on Fox. Fox is a, a news commentator. He's not an anchor. He's not supposed to be balanced. He gives opinion, just as I do. I'm not a reporter. Uh, and there are plenty of reporters who are very biased and who write thinly guided editorials masquerading as news stories. That's another issue. Uh, so Fox News, Tucker Carlton. And, and Tucker's crime was that he offers opinion on public policy and politics from a conservative perspective. How, can he, how dare he do that? You know, if you recall, President Clinton used the same tactic when he blamed Rush Limbaugh for the Oklahoma City bombing. In another incident, Representative Gabby Giffords was hosting a gathering of constituents in Tucson, Arizona, when a shooter attacked, killing six and wounding Giffords and several others. Well, the New York Times seized on that opportunity to blame Sarah Palin. Why? Well, in one appearance, she had drawn up a political map a television appearance that used a symbol, which incidentally was wrongly described as a bullseye at the time. It wasn't a bullseye. Uh, She used the symbol to target 20 congressional districts that Republicans might win in the midterms. Uh, Without talking about the names of anybody, uh, just these are contested elections. Let's get a good turnout for Republicans. Let's get a good nominee, and maybe we can increase our numbers in the U.S. House. Now, let me get back to the Buffalo shooter. Name is Gendron again. Uh, Shades of the Unabomber, Gendron wrote a hate-filled, incoherent, 180-page manifesto. In that screed, he made no mention of Tucker Carlson. You'll recall that liberals in the media were blaming Tucker Carlson for the Buffalo shooting. Uh, Gendron made no mention of Carlson. As a matter of fact, He described himself as an ethno-nationalist, eco-fascist, national socialist. Gendron did. He also said he particularly hates libertarians and conservatives. And he professed his ultra-radical environmentalism and railed against corporate profits and the wealth of the top 1%. Now, those views sound a lot more like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and AOC than Tucker Carlson. Gendron's only mention of Fox News in that 180-page manifesto screed was to demean hosts Mariah Padaromo and Greg Gutfeld because they're Jews. He also attacked Ben Shapiro, who Gendron labeled a rat example of Jewish people. Illustrations in his manifesto depicted demonic Jews with oversized hooked noses along with disgusting animalistic characters of blacks. Now, Gendron wasn't just anti-Semitic. He's a racist white supremacist intent on murdering blacks by his own statements. And by the way, then dealing with the Jews later. And also he wanted to ban immigration outright. He also railed against what he termed the Great Replacement Plot. Uh, That terminology is circulating and it means different things to different people. Gendron's version of it was a plot to overwhelm America and its electorate with third world immigrants. Uh, Chris Hayes, who's one of that that stable of radical left-wingers on MSNBC, he seized on that statement to link Gendron with Tucker Carlson. Oh, also with Fox News, Republicans, and white people on the right. Really? So they're the same kind of people based on their views as as Gendron? Nonsense. (laughs) For one thing, I'm one of those people. I'm a Republican and I'm a white person on the right. Uh, They, Tucker Carlson and I, are not anti immigration. What they and I oppose is illegal immigration and unlimited immigration. Let me see a show of hands out there, everybody who's listening. How many people want unlimited immigration? Not just a million or two million a year, five million, ten million, a hundred million. Well, let's go for a billion people out of the world, seven billion people. Uh, how many people are for unlimited immigration? No. How about un- Ill- illegal immigration? How many people flat out on legal? Uh, open borders, let anybody come in who wants. Hmm. I don't think that's a majority of the American public. I think there are Democrats that uh, don't favor unlimited immigration or illegal immigration, although there are plenty of Democrats, including our president, who favors illegal immigration. Uh, why? Well, because they expect that those illegal immigrants, someday when they become citizens, are going to return the favor and vote for Democrats. Oh, no, Democrats would never be so, so uh, cynical, or would they? Progressives, Biden, congressional Democrats, this is getting back to the, the great replacement plot. Biden, progressives, congressional Democrats, they're not secretly plotting a great replacement to flood the electorate with Latino immigrants. No. It's no secret. (laughs) They're doing it already, and they're doing it in plain sight. They and the liberal media have enthusiastically cheered demographic census projections of a so-called brown wave making whites in the United States a minority by 2044. Why should they be cheering that? Is that the ultimate goal of multiculturalism—to make whites a minority by 2045 or whenever? Why? Why would that necessarily be a good thing? Well, they believe when these immigrants become citizens, as I said, they'll vote for Democrats and and assure Democrat electoral control in perpetuity. That's why why they invite multitudes to come here legally or illegally. Why they undermine border security, and I'm talking about this this administration, undermining border security, handcuffing ICE and our border control, releasing illegal migrants into the country on their own recognizance, and even transporting them to the interior. Now, if you look at the recent polls, and I'm going to get to this a little later in the program today when I talk about this Quinnipiac poll, and we're Hispanics, Latinos, whatever term you prefer, uh, seem to be edging toward the Republicans. Even some blacks are doing that. It's entirely possible that the huge landslide margins that Democrats are expecting from Latinos in particular may not come to pass. You remember when Joe Biden ran as a uniter? He was going to bring us together? Certainly doesn't look like the Joe Biden who's been president. He's become an inflamer, really. When he carelessly throws around the term white supremacists, that invective, white supremacists, should be reserved for actual neo Nazis. And there are actual neo Nazis out there. Not multitudes of them, not a sizable percentage of the American public or a sizable percentage of, of, of uh, whites. It's a tiny fraction, but they're out there. Uh, there's something still left, I think, of the KKK, although that's almost extinct. No, white supremacists are people like the Aryan Nation crowd or the Order. Do you remember that name, the Order? Uh, Those were the assassins who murdered Allen Berg about 42 years ago. Those are white supremacists. I am not a white supremacist. That white supremacist label applies to a tiny fraction of whites in America, contrary to the ravings of anti-white, woke racists who brand anyone not ashamed of being white as a white supremacist. I mean, the reason even imposing that on little kids in schools, white privilege, you should be ashamed, you should feel guilty about being white. That's racist. It's anti-white racism. I'm not ashamed of being white. And incidentally, I'm not particularly proud of being white. It's just a skin color. People should be proud or ashamed of how they've lived their life, uh, what they've accomplished, not just a, a chance of birth. One other point regarding school shootings. Every school shooting is an egregious human tragedy. But contrary to what some people wearing a hair shirt like to say, it doesn't make us a sick society. Of a population of 335 million These heinous acts, these school shootings, are committed by a literal handful of psychopaths. And gun control isn't the answer to school safety. That's a a, a mommy-make-them-stop-knee-jerk, wishful-thinking mentality that only serves the purpose of feeling like you're doing something. Committed killers will circumvent gun laws just like they circumvent laws when they rob and steal And they'll circumvent regulations as well. Bottom line, the only realistic, practical, effective defense, if you say we must stop these school shootings, we must stop them once and for all. All right, if that's your position, the only realistic defense is to fortify schools with a team of private, permanent, armed security personnel. Not cops, not off-duty cops, Uh, Cops have plenty of other things to do. This is a dedicated team, perhaps, of of military veterans, uh, people with an impressive resume, uh, people who could react quickly and effectively to an attack on a school. A private, permanent, armed security force of personnel, also combined with secure school entry and surveillance cameras and monitors. Now, that would be expensive to be sure to do that in every school in the United States. Grade schools, middle schools, high schools, colleges. Yes, that would be expensive. But as timid liberals plead about almost any public policy, even if it would save only one life, wouldn't it be worth it? You really want to stamp it out? This is how far you have to go. Putting a limit to the number of rounds you're going to have in a magazine is not going to make much difference. And laws and regulations and all kinds of things like that, legislation raising the the age to so buy an AR-15 from 18 to 21. Uh, no. If you're taking this adamant position, we've got to stamp it out. I won't tolerate another school shooting. This is the way to do it. You ready to do that? If you like, go ahead. I'll support it. Dave Lauer, what's your thought on this?
4: Well, <clears throat> this has been a proposal that has been around for a while, and that's To take some teachers who have perhaps uh, military backgrounds, train them, and have them in schools. And that suggestion was brought up again after the the most recent shootings. But the left doesn't want that because they want schools to be gun-free zones. (laughs) Well, I've heard that, too, and I'm not opposed to that. Uh, Military
3: veterans who happen to be teachers right now, uh, who could do that? The vast majority of teachers, of course, don't want
4: any part of that. Sure, and they wouldn't be forced to. And... Doing that alone,
3: sorry, not even close if you want to stamp it out. You need a permanent security force of trained people. Uh, people, military vets who've killed other people before in combat. Uh, not a teacher who's taken a, a cursory training program and, but has, has never actually fired at a human being. Uh, that would help, but that's and, not going to And what do you think the out.
4: chances are that'll be permitted? What'll be, well, my idea? Your but, idea.
3: Well, who's going to stop it? The left. How can they stop it? I mean, they can oppose it, but if a school district wants to hire a trained permanent security force... But who, who's
5: going to
4: hire them from the school district? I mean, the left has a lot of power. The union has a lot of power. They're, not going, to, they're going to be totally uh, against this idea, even though it's, it would solve the problem. Two responses to that. Uh, schools in conservative school districts might be able to do that. But, but, uh, but we're talking about every school I, in the country. I know.
3: Well, that's why I'm putting it to people in just this way. If you're one of those who say, I absolutely want to stamp it out, I won't tolerate another one. This is my, <laughs> this is my remedy for that. Uh, is, do you have anything that's better than that? And uh, speaking for one of them, do you have anything better than that?
4: Absolutely not.
3: Okay. You said you want to stamp it out. I'm giving you a remedy. How can you oppose it? Yeah. Oh, excuse me for being logical. All right, 303 713 8585, our telephone number. If you've also got some thought you want to text, uh, go ahead and text us. What's our, what's our text? Grant, what's the text number? I, I mean, 56690. 56690. 90 Do you know how to actually
6: text, Mike?
3: Uh, yeah, I, I text. I don't tweet. I've never tweeted and I never will tweet, incidentally. I don't blame you. But I, I
6: have text, I text all the time. I'm so impressed.
3: Yeah, and you know how I find out how,
6: how to, to text? text? I
3: read a textbook.
6: <laughs> That's awful.
3: Okay. <laughs> All right, when we come back, you I've got not. an exercise in logic. It was the, an app. This purportedly <laughs> was a a teacher's a teacher's logical argument uh, for gun control. All right. Okay, Okay. stand by. We'll do that when we come back. Susan, what's coming up in the news?
6: Well, he's been here less than a year, and already the guy in charge of DIA may be moving on to another new job. Mm-hmm. And CSU appointing an interim president, I'll tell you who that is,
2: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mike Rosen back with you in for Mandy
3: just today. Dave Lauer alongside. All right, I, I threw out this uh, narrative about how the left, how Democrats uh, politicize shootings in schools and made my argument. Uh, and, and I also uh, threw this gauntlet out to people who are so emotionally distraught distraught about the, the the recent school shootings as as you are uh, certainly justified in being, but this being distraught uh, Trump being logical being reasonable about what kind of remedies might deliver the outcome you want and, and the outcome I posed is for those who say no, we just can 't tolerate this anymore, there can never be another school shooting we 've got to stop it so. Let's raise the age for a, a young person to get an AR-15 from 18 to 21. No. If you want to stop it, my proposal was was very straightforward and it's achievable, by the way. Uh it'll certainly be very expensive, but it's it's achievable and and it was uh, this a team of private, permanent, armed, trained security personnel, combat vets would be the kind of people who would be qualified for this, along with secure school entry, surveillance cameras, and monitors, a permanent security force that's... Money should be no object. That's the point. Liberals say, even if it would save only one life, wouldn't it be worth it? Here's a good example.
4: I mean, if if you say to them, I guarantee you won't have any more school shootings if you implement this program, it'll be very expensive. Mm -hmm. What will they say?
3: No, they don't want to militarize the schools. Uh, it'll be bad for the kids. Uh, the kids will have this, this mentality of, of uh, armed personnel around, and they'll all become shooters themselves.
4: So, in other words, you don't want to stop
3: it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they have a better remedy. That would Stop it. Stamp it out. Okay? All right. 303-713-8585, our telephone number. Uh, Matt was kind enough to call just before we took our break, so let me go right to him in northeastern Colorado. Matt, what's your take on all this?
5: My uh, take is here, when it pertains to Colorado, we have this surplus of tax revenue from marijuana sales. How how hard would it be to get support behind using some of that revenue to get private security for all these schools?
3: I I wouldn't have any objection to that. And, you know, we got so much money, along with so many other states from the feds, uh, they almost don't know what to do with it in Colorado. That's why uh, state government spending is so high and why they're In addition to the $500 we're all going to get back, and it's a refundable tax credit, by the way, which means if you have no tax liability, nothing to credit against, you'll still get your $500. Now they're talking about another $1,000. The Polish just announced this the other day. He's got to spend it. He's got it right now. Uh, So the the revenue source is is not really relevant, but uh, do you agree with me, Matt, that if you want to really get as close as you can to stamping it out, uh, Something this radical is the only thing that'll do it. You you believe that?
5: Well, yeah, I, I got a I got a six year old in, in grade school. And personally, I would have no problem with a private security force patrolling the schools on a daily basis. I think that that's the only way you'll ever have total security. And what better than to have your kid feel safe every day going to school and the parents having peace of mind?
3: And for those who don't like this idea because uh, uh, they think the kids would be intimidated by this kind of an environment, it seems to me just the opposite. If the kids are losing sleep at night for fear of another school shooting, by the way, the probability of which for any kid at his particular school is infinitesimal. But nonetheless, if you're paranoid about it, I would think this this kind of a security system would give the kids a better sense of security. Wouldn't it? 100% 100% agree. I think so. Okay, thanks for your phone call. 303-713-8585, our telephone number in Denver. Let's go to Martin. Hello, Martin, what's on your mind?
5: Good morning. Um, you know, you're absolutely correct. I want to tweak your philosophy about armed security guards at the schools. Um, I'm a 35-year tw- veteran of the Denver Police Department, now retired. And tactically, you need three or four or two or three personnel in that in that um, capacity at the school. Because if you have one, it just doesn't get the job done. If a shooter comes in and takes him out, then you don't have any backup, and you have to wait for the officers to respond. So if you have two or three, which my suggestion would be, you have you can get on the radio and say at the north entrance, somebody's confronting me with a gun, and the other two can come. If the one gets shot, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Also, I think you should do police officers. I mean, I like your idea about veterans, but police officers are used to handling kids and sure. calls, and situations, and they don't want to pay for it.
3: Now, um, by the they way, I, to- I agree about using police officers, but I'm thinking about uh, retired police officers because we're we're having enough trouble now keeping, retaining, and recruiting cops after all this defund the police nonsense. Uh, the police that we do have are already being stretched thin. Retired cops, I think, would be a good place to go. Do you agree?
5: I agree with you. Um, I think uh, wages, incentives, pensions, um, will solicit more officers. Um, hiring, you can hire officers. But I think retired officers. But you know what? I'm 66 years old. I, I Working the streets a young man's game. And I don't know if I'd be up for it. I would have the tactics. I would have the ability with being armed, but you know, it's a young man's game to confront an armed assailant coming at you. Uh, I agree. Um, And,
3: And how about what happened in Uvalde, Texas, where this the people that the the police that could have stormed the school laid back for an hour? This after well, after the experience a, at Columbine, you know we learned that you you gotta you gotta rush to the gunfire.
2: What was your reaction right. when you well, heard we didn't that know they
5: that before, we, well, we didn't know that before Columbine. that's why we didn't do that. And that's I understand why we had an un, unsuccessful entry.
3: How, so how can you account and not that you're responsible for it for what what those police did or sheriffs? I forget what they what who what particular element they were. Uh, but yeah. They thought it had been contained based on what evidence? Uh, was that absolutely unexcusable what they did?
5: Yes, I can give you some maybe um, reasons why, but I think it was a bad, bad mistake and lack of training and tactics. You know, you need communications where you all can go to one radio station and all the entities, Border Patrol, the Texas police, the local police, and Anybody who's the Border Patrol who's going to respond is on one communications basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had problems with communications with dispatchers from the kids to the officers. Whether they ignored it or not, I can't speak on that. But it was a big problem, a big mistake. But there's solutions. And like you say, we learned after Columbine. And there's classes and tactics and everything's taught. They didn't follow it all the way because... Mm-hmm. I think they fell down on communications and response and commanders, and I agree with you. Um, I'm old school top, so if we showed up at a scene like that, we're going in. We're going in to kill the guy. Yep. That's what I'm doing. I'm not sitting waiting for a plan or the SWAT team. Uh, my generation went in. We went in the house, we went in the schools.
3: Now, you know who Diana DeGette is. She's a. Uh, oh.
5: Unfortunately, I do.
3: Yes, okay. She represents. District 1, the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, Pat Schroeder held that seat for 24 years, and I think, I think Diana DeGette has just passed her in terms of uh, seniority. Uh, in, in any event, crazy. She, she's a noted expert on guns. Uh, you, you remember the stupid thing she said about magazines uh, some years ago, indicating that she didn't yeah. understand, understand what a magazine exactly. was. Uh, I just saw her yeah. being interviewed on a local news station, and she threw out uh, this one platitude... You know, why would anybody need any more than 12 rounds in in a magazine? Now she knows what a magazine is, by the way. Uh, When you talked about having one security officer in a school wouldn't be sufficient because he could be taken out. Uh, Why would that security personnel or any of them uh, need more than, I don't know, six, seven, eight rounds in their magazine? I mean, you, you you only need one to kill somebody or wound them, right? Uh, no, well, you might use, you might need 20 because you don't always <laughs> hit what you're aiming for.
5: That's why you need more than 12 you rounds. Can, you can hit, them. you yeah. can hit them in the hand and shoot their gun out, and then that's all good and fine. But life doesn't work that way, and assault and tactics and com- confrontation doesn't work that way.
3: You're exactly right. All right, I, thanks, for your, thanks for your call, Martin, and thanks for your service as a Denver cop. All right, they, D- Dave, here's what I was teasing before. Now, this is just something that was floating around the Internet. Who knows where it comes from and and whether there's any truth to it. So the narrative here is uh, presumably a teacher who is pro-gun, as you will see in a second, because she's giving the argument that someone who's a, a defender of Second Amendment rights and things like that would use. Uh, but it's a stupid argument. Now, I don't know whether this was all made up and, and uh, this was uh, just... Somebody's fantasy, or whether this actually took place—I doubt that it's real. But in any event, it's it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to uh, deconstruct something. Uh, this entire exchange would would get an F plus, which is worse than an F uh, in a in a logic 101 course. Okay, here here it is. This is the teacher. I have a student in my class that keeps hitting other kids with a hammer over and over. I can't get anything done, and the other kids are hurt and they hate it. Person B says, have you tried taking the hammer away from that student? Right? This is what a gun control advocate would say, right? Have you tried taking, like, just like taking the gun away? Uh, the teacher responds, no, no, no. It's not the hammer's fault, as if it's not the gun's fault. Right. So presumably the, the makeup person here is an idiot who's in favor of Second Amendment rights and doesn't want to take guns away from people. Okay, No, no, it's not the hammer's fault. Uh, Everyone knows that kids have the right to have hammers. I want to buy a bunch of hammers and give them to all the other students, and then no one will ever have problems with hammers again. More hammers will definitely fix everything for sure. All right? This is supposed to show how stupid people like me are when I talk about what's realistic and what isn't. Uh, No one on the Second Amendment side has ever said that more guns will fix everything
4: for sure. Or that we should give everyone a gun.
3: Yes. A lot of people don't want a gun. Uh, So that's a straw man argument right right there. But uh, Joe Lectency sent me this. He, He said... Let's start with the presumption that in order to keep that student, let's call him Johnny, from just getting another different hammer the next day, you would have to take away the other hammers that his parents own and all the hammers owned by the other kids, even though none of them have ever misused their hammers. And after you've done that, when Johnny shows up to school the next day with a screwdriver and starts stabbing the other kids with the screwdriver, you repeat the process for screwdrivers. After you've taken away all the screwdrivers, he shows up the next day with the a tire iron from his father's car and starts hitting the other kids with the tire iron. You repeat the process for tire irons. Then you go to 12-inch torque wrenches, kitchen knives, and baseball bats. Uh, Taking away his hammer does not solve the underlying problem. Uh, Another take on this, logically deconstructed: Uh, the the so-called the the the, uh, hypothetical kid uh, is not an adult. and in schools, teachers serve in, in what's called in loco parentis, in place of parents in certain situations. Uh, he, he's not an adult, and uh, he's, he's uh, not using the hammer for self-defense, as someone might be in their home defense. He's using the hammer to beat other kids over the heads with, which, incidentally, is not allowed. It's a crime. He could be prosecuted for it. Uh, you're not allowed to bring it to school, certainly for, not, for, th- for that purpose. So what he's doing is against the law. Uh, shooting people with a gun other than in self-defense is also against the law. But shooting someone with <laughs> cause, if it's for self-defense, isn't again. Anyway, this was... I, I, I would love to know what was the motive of the person that created this whole hypothetical case. Maybe it is just so we can deconstruct it like that and, and show what Second Amendment advocates don't believe as opposed to how they are cartoonishly presented. Uh, all right. Uh, 303-713-8585, a telephone number. Uh, let's see. We, I think we have time to take a text message or two here. Um, Thank you, Ross. The Sina Misha story gave me goosebumps. Wait, that's that's to Ross Kaminsky who's done. Does that mean there's been no, no text messages on this one? Okay.
4: Well, so be it. Uh, do you remember... Well, there are some text messages here. I, I, I don't have Okay, yeah, well, go pol- and read, read one. Uh, police and sheriffs are armed security. Why would children be bothered by private security and a larger presence for their safety? That's one comment. Let me, let me
3: stop on that one. Okay. You have heard people in Denver, which is a, a progressive paradise, who don't like the idea of security cops, uniform security cops in schools. Mm-hmm. So they already have that mentality. They don't like that. You and I think that that would provide a greater sense of security for the kids, not a lesser sense. But they're already opposed to having any kind of school. School, uh, uh, and these are on-duty cops, incidentally, in some schools, not off-duty cops. Okay, what's the next one?
4: Uh, the reason someone would eat more than twelve bullets in a magazine is because they can't shoot. I think he meant to say need, not eat. Right? <laughs> yes, I, yeah. I would. I would think Because it allows you shot. Yeah. Okay. Uh here's how about arming custodians they have less responsibilities and know the ins and outs of the school of course a certain amount of training and consistent range time would be mandatory but this is a good option that doesn't get very much discussion
3: well but then they wouldn't be doing custodian work because they're supposed to be on guard that's why we have cameras and monitors Uh Okay, Joe, Joe Custodian, come on, there's a school shooting. Wait a second, I've got a plumbing problem here. The basement is flooded. I'll be there in 20 minutes or so. No, that doesn't work. What
4: else do you have? Uh, I taught for 30 years. From my experience then and observation since, I'd wager many school district leadership and many teachers and many teacher unions do not want more people in their schools in a position to evaluate and comment on the school day in what's uh, being taught.
3: Okay, so he's bringing in uh, a, another issue here, and that is we don't like the fact that our kids are getting indoctrinated in schools. So let's not have other people come in because just as parents, when their kids were made to stay at home, discovered what the kids were being taught and rebelled against it, we can't have
4: any more of that. Here's someone that says, what about the National Guard?
3: Uh,
4: the, the National Guard, for the most part
3: is not a permanent force. A lot of them uh, are just called uh, called to, to duty when they're needed in uh, different kinds of situations. So they're not standing by to do this. And uh, most of those people have other jobs too. <laughs> National Guard service is part time, so that doesn't work either. And that would just reduce the number of personnel who are doing something else they're supposed to be doing. So I would have people who are not working at something else, or are changing jobs who want to be on par- part of this security team at a school. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's take a break for news. When we come back, I want to take you back to the, uh, the 1970s and 80s, uh, to the Weatherman faction. Uh, th- they weren't the meteorologists. They were left-wing terrorists. And, and talk about the Kathy uh, Baudin and uh, her son Chisa Bodan, who was the district attorney in San Francisco, who was just recalled. We'll get to that after this, after this uh, top of the hour news break. Susan Whitkin, what's coming up?
6: So talking about weather and not terrorists, we're talking about the real weather and how it is creating a Sriracha shortage. Mm -hmm. It's coming your way right here on KOA, Colorado's News Talk and Sports Station
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
2: details. The Mandy Connell Show is sponsored by Bell and Pollock Accident and Injury Lawyers. Now it's Mandy Connell on KOA 8:50
1: AM and 94.1 FM.
3: Mike Rosen in for Mandy just today. Mandy will be back on Monday. Dave Dave Lauer alongside. Uh, Just a postscript on what we were talking about in the last hour, school shootings and what happened in Buffalo and what happened in Valde, Texas. I got a couple of text messages, obviously from people who aren't big fans of mine. One says, Do you even believe your own BS? Dude, retire. Well, I have retired, actually. I do this part-time now. Uh, Buffalo grocery store, not a school shooting, you uninformed idiot. Um, Well, let me say, and I don't recall exactly what words came out of my mouth, but if I did say uh, Buffalo school shooting, that was a slip of the tongue. Uh, I am well aware that the Buffalo shooting was in a supermarket. And by the way, I can prove that because what I talked about in the first segment um, was just what I wrote about in the Denver Gazette. That was yesterday on Thursday, and my opening line was, just 10 days after the Buffalo shooting, another deranged sociopath struck a school in Ovalde, Texas. I just talked about two different shootings because it's not just school shooting. so I was well aware that Buffalo was not a school shooting. If I did say school shooting, that was a slip of the tongue. All right, 303-713-8585, our telephone number. Here's a, a walk down memory lane, and not necessarily good memories. But first, let's, let's start with the sun, and that's Chisa Baudin. Uh, Andy Kessler had a great piece in the Wall Street Journal the other day. Dateline San Francisco. He says, as I walked to lunch last week in Little Saigon, a few blocks from City Hall, I hurried across Eddy Street to avoid an obvious group of drug dealers. The sidewalks were filthy, filled with homeless tents and a god-awful smell. Distracted, I almost tripped over a squatting man sticking a hypodermic needle between his toes. Two cops leaned against a police car nearby. Meanwhile, pedestrians lawfully waited at a traffic light before crossing. Why? No wonder Chisa Baudin, if polls are correct will be recalled as San Francisco district attorney on Tuesday. Now, he wrote this on June 6th. In fact, uh, Chisa Baudin was recalled, and he's no longer the uh, SF district attorney. Kessler goes on to say, I'm reluctant to convince someone based on his parents' background, but Mr. Baudin provides many clues. Former members of the Weather Underground domestic terrorist group, his parents, were jailed and convicted for being getaway drivers in the 1981 Brinks robbery and murders. He was then raised by the Weather Underground's Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, who you might remember were friends with Barack Obama. A little more background. That was just the lead-in on who Kathy Baudin was. She died, by the way, uh, in, in May uh, at the age of uh, some, something in her 70s, 70, 78 perhaps. On October twentieth, nineteen 1981, she was among a trio of leftist radicals previously associated with the Weather Underground who in tandem with members of the Black Liberation Army executed a robbery of an armored car truck in Nanuet, New York. Between the robbery itself and a subsequent encounter with police, three people, Brinks guard Peter Page and members of the NIAC Police Department, Officer Waverly Brown and Sergeant Edward O'Grady, were killed. As part of the robbery, Baudin, who died May 1st at the age of 78, agreed to assist in the getaway and upon encountering several policemen, including Brown and O'Grady, lulled them into a state of complacency and gave her accomplices a chance to gun them down. The loss of life would have been tragic no matter what, but it seems especially senseless given the causes that exercised Baudin and her leftist tribe would have seemed so remote to America in the early 1980s. Uh, remember, she, she was a, a 60s radical, but this is, that was her, her life's work, so she didn't look for another job. By, by then, the early 80s, the age of Reagan was upon us. Baudin was a throwback to an earlier period. Yet Baudin and her fellow ex weathermen Marilyn Buck, Judith Alice Clark, and David Gilbert, had aligned themselves with an outfit that called itself the May 19th Communist Organization. Why May 19th? Well, here's a clue. Look up the birthdays of Ho Chi Minh and Malcolm X. They were both born on May 19th. Born in New York City in 1943, Baudin was reared in a family to which leftist causes were second nature. Her father, Leonard Bodin, was an attorney whose attitude toward client selection seems to have been the more left-wing radical, controversial, the better. In his years of practice, he defended Pentagon Papers leaker Daniel Ellsberg, draft resistor extraordinaire Dr. Benjamin Spock, far-left uh, far bass, bass baritone Paul Robeson, and others. Leonard's uncle, Kathy's great-uncle, was Louis Baudin a lawyer and writer whose works included The Theoretical System of Karl Marx. So the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The laws of adolescent rebellion might suggest that the offspring of such a family would have become a supporter of Barry Goldwater in the 1960s, but Kathy followed in her forebears' footsteps and went far beyond what any of them could have ever contemplated. Her early life is full of examples of an almost comical commitment to leftist sacred cows. While at Bryn Mawr College, for example, she made a pilgrimage to Cuba and chose to major in Russian studies. But by the late 1960s, she had thrown in with the weather underground, the moral certitude of which, in its opposition to the Vietnam War, among other causes, led its adherents to justify all manner of violent acts. Just a little sidebar. Think about the summer of rage and all the riots and looting and everything else. These were people who appended themselves to a cause. Uh, Yes, the vast amount of people who went to those demonstrations uh, weren't uh, torching police cars and looting stores, uh, but uh, whatever they did was justified because of the righteousness of their cause as they perceive it. Uh, Here in Denver, when there was a confrontation between the police and demonstrators, even though no police were killed, and the violence wasn't nearly as bad here, those angry crowds would do whatever they could to provoke the cops. A, it's what people on the left do for fun. Uh, this is the way they, uh, they add meaning to their, their lives, and uh, unlike talk show hosts who can get things off their chest uh, with this kind of a platform, uh, they're, they're empowered. Uh, Anyway, that's the mentality we're we're working with, and and that's why they are so quick to do things like uh, yell and scream outside the houses of Supreme Court conservative justices. Uh, To pick up where I left off, in March 1970, Baudin made a quick exit from a Greenwich Village townhouse where weather underground members had caused an explosion in the process of constructing bombs meant for use at Fort Dixon, New Jersey. That was an Army post. Having stayed true to her cause during her 11 years on the run, she emerged on that faithful day in October 1981 when Paige, Brown, and O'Grady were killed, the latter two inarguably with her com- uh, complicity. Eventually, Baudin entered guilty pleas to charges of first-degree robbery and second-degree murder. In a twist worthy of a Sidney Lumet movie running on empty, she entered prison as the mother of a toddler, her son with Gilbert, that was the aforementioned David Gilbert, who was part of that 1981 incident. Uh, <clears throat> her son Chisa Bodan was born in 1980 and would be brought up by their former Weather Underground colleagues Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. Uh, so that that's the pedigree of Chisa Bodan, uh, who was district attorney in San Francisco. One of these permissive district attorneys whose cause was decarceration, not incarceration, refusing to prosecute people who should be in jail and doing everything he could not to punish this kind of behavior. I'm not talking about uh, Kathy Baudin's uh, Weather Underground, but illegal activity of one sort or another. Uh, so, now, Chisa Bodin, who was recalled even in left-wing Nancy Pelosi, San Francisco, is no longer the DA in San Francisco. Uh, he graduated from Yale, Oxford and Yale Law School, served as an interpreter for Hugo Chavez, the uh, Venezuelan socialist president. Uh, he supported San Francisco as a sanctuary city in November of 2019, Chisa Bodan was elected DA after running on a platform of as I said decarceration and ending cash bail. Asian Americans were big supporters then, but not anymore. February recall of three school board members, one member Allison Connells said that merit is racist. Asian Americans in San Francisco are now fed up with increased personal and property crimes against them that often go unprosecuted. It's not law and disorder, it's flaw law and order, is floor and disorder. San Francisco has seen a rash of robberies. Stealing items valued at less than $950 is now considered a misdemeanor. Last fall, organized smash-and-grab looters hit Louis Vuitton stores and other luxury stores. Even Walgreens have closed since 2019. In a remarkably still open CVS near Eddy Street, nearly every item is locked behind plexiglass. This is what he presided over and, aid and aided and abetted. And isn't that interesting? So if as long as you stole less than $1,000 worth of merchandise, it was a misdemeanor. Uh, so these uh, smash-and-grabbers, these thieves, had to be very careful to look at the prices of all the things they were stealing so they stopped before they hit
4: $1,000. Yes, Dave? You know, back in the day, you'd have people with similar points of view become... Uh, defense attorneys like William Kunstler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this is very insidious. Uh, instead of trying to be a defense attorney and defend these people, this guy said, "I'll become an AG and I won't prosecute them." Yes, that is very insidious and dangerous. But it's fairer.
3: People don't want to go to jail. It's not a nice place to be incarcerated.
4: See. Where's your compassion? There? Usually you'd think of someone who's a DA, wants wants to you know, halt crime and wants fewer of these bad guys out on the street, put them away. Now we have DAs that want to do just the opposite. That scares the heck out of me.
3: Yeah, so let's talk about William Kunstler. You and I know who he was because we're both from New mm-hmm. York. Uh, he was a radical left-winger, and his clients uh, almost exclusively were radical left-wingers. Now, He makes the case, and others like him make the case, and it's a valid case, that even the worst criminal deserves uh, legal representation, uh, deserves due process of law. Fair enough. Timothy McVeigh, uh, he had a a trial here in in Denver, as a matter of fact. Uh, I don't uh, dispute the fact that they're they're entitled to a, a defense and that the prosecution must prove its case. Right? The defense doesn't have to prove innocence the prosecution has to prove guilt. That's the way the system works And that's the way it should work. However, let's talk about motivation. It wasn't just because Kunzler wanted to give people due process. No, he wanted to, he wanted to do anything He could to get radical lefties off the hook, right? That's what he did. That was his cause and he believed based on the fact that he's a radical lefty himself or was a radical lefty himself, that he's doing good things. And
4: that's Jesse Bodine's cause, yes. except he's a DA.
3: <laughs> yes, and we know who his, uh, his mother was and who his grandfather yes.
4: was, and, you know, there
3: you go. All i right, I'll tell you, it's the electorate
4: number. of San Francisco, you get what you pay for. It's not like he was hiding out and and, and trying to deceive us. He was upfront about it. Yes, he was. And they elected him because he
3: ran on that platform. Yeah. But then they saw the consequences of it. Just like in Denver, a lot of compassionate people um, supported those who were squatting in, in abandoned houses, abandoned properties, who were creating all of these homeless camps in Denver, uh, fouling the environment. Uh, being public nuisances. But you see, these are people with mental illnesses. And some of them clearly have mental illnesses. Uh, Others, however, uh, like this hobo life, Uh, young people on the streets now, Uh, some of them uh, just want to be free and independent and uh, not be caught in the rat race in the establishment. Uh, Okay, they were defended up to a point until even in Denver, it reached that point of intolerance, that, no, uh, we are damaging uh, shop owners who are on the 16th Street Mall. Uh, The neighborhoods are getting denigrated. Denver is becoming a a less attractive place to live, certainly in certain areas. And at a certain point, you've got to think that the majority of people who work hard, who pay taxes, uh, who pay rent, who have a family, uh, they have some rights also and and fouling the denver environment with with this uh, epidemic of uh ad hoc campsites uh went as far as it could and now finally they're pushing back and uh, you and know what
4: we, we you always talk about how words matter and uh camping is is the wrong word squatting is the correct word yeah. and it's almost never used in the media true yes because, uh,
3: you know, you remember the phrase, i use used this for years, semantic infiltration. Yes, uh, That's when you get duped into using the other side's right. carefully crafted language, whether it has to do with gender identity or, or whatever you, you want to do. You have to be careful not to be pulled into that trap. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to use the pronouns that are good grammar. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't like it, fine, you don't have to like it, but you don't control my
4: lexicon. Have you gotten emails with preferred pronouns these days? I get them all the time. Yes. That's, that's nuts. I laugh every time I see them. Uh, it annoys me, but
3: it doesn't offend me. I don't care. But I, I will never say anything like, just who do they think they is? <laughs> <laughs> no, those words cannot come out of my mouth. You know. Mm. Uh, all right, we, we've got uh, one more break Coming up in just 30 seconds or so, Susan Wittgen will tell us what's coming up in the bottom of the hour news. And then when we come back, we'll have, we'll have one more segment left. And one thing I, I, I'd like to do in that is uh, talk about the, uh, the, the Democrats' version in the U.S. House of Representatives of uh, former Soviet Union show trials, which are going on right now. Uh, I guess they're covering it today, right? They covered it yesterday. ABC, CBS, NBC, all the usual suspects. Uh, Fox News, I'm told, uh, didn't cover it. But if you went to Fox Business, they were covering it there. But they weren't giving it the kind of primetime attention on their main channel. Uh, we'll we'll talk about why that's happening and and uh, who are the good guys and bad guys. As I see it, and I'm biased and partisan. Susan Wittgen, what's Sir? coming up in the news?
6: The city and county of Denver now registering in the red category for COVID-19 and... DIA might have to find another CEO because there's talks that the guy's running the place now heading to Washington, D.C. I'll tell you about that at 1.30 right here on KOA, Colorado's News Talk and Sports
0: Station. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: One thirty-eight. The time. Micros in for Mandy Connell. Mandy will be back on Monday uh, in the two o'clock hour. Wally Smith, who's a uh, a regular feature on the show. I have a, a Wally on every few months uh, to talk about the economy, investment alternatives. Uh, these are rocky times right now. The market's down again and again and again. Down more than a thousand points in the last couple of days. Uh, Anyway, that's coming up at 2 o'clock. As promised, I wanted to talk about the uh, Soviet-style show trial now going on in the U.S. House of Representatives where the Democrats, of course, have a majority and where they crafted this uh, special committee to investigate the January 6th assault on the Capitol building by Trump supporters who were seeking to stop the process of certifying the electoral vote so that... Joe Biden could become president in, on January 20th of the following of the, that is January 20th in, in uh, 2021. The election was in 2000, and of course, the new president is inaugurated a few weeks into the following year. Uh, so, uh, Dave, you've been following, you and Mandy have been talking about this, I'm sure. She was here yesterday. What did you do yesterday, and where can we go from there?
4: Well, we hadn't actually talked about it because we are anticipating it for, uh. for last night. Uh, I have a couple of questions about it, though. Um, okay. Now, now, after January 6th, there were arrests made, there were prosecutions made. Um, the uh, the process went right along the way it should, mm-hmm. and these people who committed these crimes being punished. W- number one, what is the purpose of this these committee hearings, and why are they all Democrat hitmen? <laughs> so that's two...
3: Yeah. two questions. Two questions. Uh, of course, the two are greatly connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Democrats have billed this as an investigation of what happened on January 6th, 2021. Uh, well, that was investigated already in great depth by committees in both houses of Congress and by the Department of Justice uh, and one of its agencies, the, the FBI. Uh, what did they discover that we didn't know before of any great significance, given the fact that their findings are now being revealed in June of 2022. Uh, Well, there's been a a raft of things that have come up during the course of these investigations that have already been made known to the public. Uh, The big question is, what's the remedy? You and I talked about this earlier. And the remedy is already in place and in process the fbi has arrested uh, there have been indictments uh, there have been trials there have been people who have been sentenced uh, some people uh, have been acquitted uh, <laughs> the elephant in the room of course is what everybody knows and that is this is all part of the democrats reelection strategy for the upcoming
4: november elections this is the hail mary yeah
3: they they want to go through this again and bring it to the public's attention A lot of it is going to be emotional. People are going to talk about their terrible experiences inside the Capitol building when these hordes attacked. Uh, And they're hoping that they can tie Donald Trump, who's no longer president, to all kinds of others and make the case that all Republicans are the same and they're they're all just like Donald Trump, who, uh, while he was sometimes careful with his words in various situations and sometimes not careful with his words. Uh, he never explicitly said attack the Capitol building, but he uh, created a narrative that other people latched onto and attacked the Capitol building. And, and of way, course,
4: he, he played right into their hands after the hearing yesterday by making some more stupid comments. That's,
3: that's what he does. Yep. I'm, I'm delighted that he was elected president, not Hillary Clinton. So many of the policies that came out of the Trump administration were far better than what would have come out of a Hillary administration. Uh, what you're seeing now coming out of the Biden administration is what you would have gotten for those four years if Hillary had been elected with the progressive core of the Democratic Party uh, running rampant, uh, trying to to impose their radical left-wing agenda while the imposing is good. Uh, So, at the time on January 6th when I wrote about this and talked about this and in the weeks that followed I was very unforgiving and extremely critical of anybody who broke into the Capitol building. Our side is supposed to be the law and order side. You can peacefully protest. You know, the First Amendment uh, guarantees your right to protest, but read the First Amendment. It says peaceful protest. This wasn't peaceful. Uh, this was outrageous. Uh, the the one idiot in chief who had the that, that the fur hat with horns and, and bare chested. <laughs> it was it was laughable. Uh, other people who uh, were were fighting with the Capitol police. No. No, I, I don't condone that for a second. Uh, no matter w- whether you thought the election was stolen or not, this isn't what our side does. Uh, the other side loves to do this kind of thing. Uh, and I would be a hypocrite if I were trying to, uh, trying to justify what those morons did who broke into the building. And there were some good people who were part of it. I think Trump said word to that effect. But, but you became no longer a good person if you broke into the Capitol building. Period. End of discussion. Zero justification. And the ones who did the most egregious damage are the ones that I would hope to see and have already seen punished to the full extent of the law, and I'm delighted about that. Maybe it'll be a lesson for the next time. You asked about uh, the Republicans on the committee. All right, so we've got two, just two. Uh, Adam Kinziger, who's a Republican congressman from Illinois, and uh, our neighbor to the, the north, we have Liz Cheney, who's a Republican member of the U.S. House Um, in in Wyoming they only get one one U.S. representative because of the population so she's an an at-large member of the U.S. House. Uh, I was very critical of both of them when they agreed to be on this committee. Now how did they get to be on the committee? Well normally uh, the Republicans determine who is going to be on a committee, Hmm. but they're not the, the majority party now, of course the Democrats are, and the Republicans proposed a slate of Republicans who would serve on that committee. Uh, Nancy Pelosi rejected all of them and then scouted around for two people who would lend credibility as a a bipartisan committee and also not stand on that committee to keep the Democrats on the committee who are doing guerrilla theater uh, in check. And they came up with Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, both of who incidentally uh, voted to impeach Donald both of Trump. whom
4: were useful idiots.
3: In this case, yes, and and I, I was always a big fan. Dick Cheney. I, I I was a big fan of Dick Cheney's uh, Liz Cheney had a a, a a wonderful conservative voting record, as you would expect from from Wyoming. Uh, Kenzie represents a a, a a a safe Republican district in Illinois. I think the sixteenth district of Illinois. Uh, but as I said, they both voted to impeach Trump, and uh, uh, they were as. Uh, uh, unforgiving of the, what happened on January 6th as I have been, but I would not be a tool of the Democrats and allow them to play this game. And I've been very critical of Liz Cheney for doing this. She's played right into their hands. And I wonder whether she's beginning to have second thoughts and feel self-conscious that she's sitting on this show trial. Now, give you an analogy. This isn't a direct analogy, but you'll get my point. You remember the Kavanaugh hearings that were outrageous? Now, there wasn't a committee that was crafted just for the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, for a presidential nominee to the Supreme Court to be confirmed, has to be confirmed by a majority of the Senate. Uh, and before that, it has, to, it has to be approved by the majority of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And the Senate Judiciary Committee has Republicans and Democrats on it. Uh, So those Democrats on the Judiciary Committee during the Kavanaugh hearings took turns beating up Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh, to a ridiculous extent. That was also a show trial. They knew he was going to be confirmed anyway. Uh, And then they they brought up all these allegations that uh, weren't corroborated, uh, reduced him to, to tears on several occasions. As I said, this wasn't an ad hoc committee, which the January 6th committee is. Uh, but those Democrats were there to oppose this nominee. They were unsuccessful in winning the fight. It went through the Judiciary Committee, and that was, uh, it was uh, confirmed in the, uh, in the entire Senate. Uh, if the Republicans who had been proposed for that committee... Uh, by the Republican leadership in the House, were on that committee during this whole process, and including now the show trial, uh, they would be there providing a, a some balance and a check on the other Democrats dominating that committee. And we don't have that because Cheney and Kinsinger have not played that role during this whole process.
4: This just adds some credibility to... Uh, Pelosi claiming, you see, we have a bipartisan committee here.
3: Yes, she can say that,
4: right. (laughs) If these two useful idiots didn't cooperate, she couldn't say that.
3: No, she could. Well, I'm not so sure because they say almost anything. Joe Biden says almost anything that's written for him. And, you know, I feel sorry for the guy. Uh, He has advancing dementia. There's no question about it. I, I have... Loved ones who have been through that stage, and I've seen it develop from early dementia to full fledged dementia. Uh, He's not full fledged now. You remember when Ronald Reagan was president? Yes. In his last year, he started showing signs of that. Uh, I liked Ronald Reagan. I don't like Joe Biden's policies. (laughs) I'm not a supporter of his, uh, but I still feel sorry for him and for his wife, Jill, and for other loved ones as he's going through this. But um, he's He's not running the White House right now. You can call him an empty suit. What comes out of his mouth when he's reading a speech, uh, he's reading what the speechwriters write for him, just as they do for Republicans as well. But Reagan you know, used to go over all of his speeches and, and change them. Um, Biden doesn't have those mental, mental faculties now, and his core is this radical leftist core. I, I think, isn't Valerie Jarrett, who was one of Obama's keen advisors, who's a flaming left winger, I think she's had some kind of an advisory role in in this White House he's advancing a cause that is increasingly unpopular in this country and unlike Bill Clinton he's he's not countering by moving more to the center as his poll numbers drop he's making he's making it even worse for his party
4: hypothetical yeah let's say this November there is a tremendous change in power and both the Senate and House go Republican mm-hmm. what is? The future of Biden's last two years as far as possible impeachment or uh, invoke the 25th Amendment kind of stuff. Well, two,
3: two different things. I don't, I don't think he's done anything that uh, qualify for impeachment, nor did Trump, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by the way, Kinziger and, and Cheney both voted yes on, on impeachment. Now, they remember, they're in the House. That's only the indictment. Uh, the Senate is the one that holds a holds a trial. Uh, but uh, the 25th Amendment is for someone who's lost his faculties. That's what it was created for. And uh, that is a, a possibility. And at a certain point, uh, the Democrats might even support that uh, later on. I mean, he's got more than two years to go to finish his, his term. I'd be surprised if he can finish the full 40. I mean, he's
4: certainly not going to run for reelection. More and more, you see Democrats questioning his competency and the media even questioning his competency, which... A year ago, that wouldn't have happened. How can you not question it? Yeah. Well, how can, how can they print and say the things they do every day? They, they lie. That's how they do it.
3: Yeah, and where's the fact-checking from the New York Times and the Washington Post? Every now and then they do fact-check something. But they, they were awfully picky when, when they're fact-checking someone who they don't like and a lot more forgiving, granting a lot more latitude when it's someone well, who who's advancing their checks own agenda. The
4: fact-checkers.
3: Well, I do. Yeah, but I don't have the same mass media platform that the New York but, I Times mean, and the Washington have,
4: Post had. They are becoming questionable as far as uh, fulfilling their purpose. Yeah, Let's not, put it that way. So the
3: other the other element of what happened on January sixth, two thousand twenty one, that has also been exploited by the Democrats uh, at every opportunity. Uh, I uh, I wrote a column back in January of this year, uh, touching on this, and uh, I. I recalled what the rep- certain Democrats were saying at the time about the the gravity of what happened on January 6th. Um, Senator Michael Bennett from Colorado. Our democracy suffered a near-death experience, his exact words. Representative Jason Crow from Colorado. I saw with my own eyes how close we came to losing our democracy. Uh, Joe Neguse also from Colorado, House, U- US House. The, d- this dark day in our nation's history uh, our own state attorney general, Phil Weiser, called it one of the darkest days in American history. I mean, they were reading from the same script, using the same language. You, you've heard the term hyperbole? It's, it's a figure of speech describing the use of gross exaggeration for the purpose of emphasis, not to be taken literally. It's hyperbole if you say, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. But in this case, however, Democrats in their echo chamber, in the liberal media, uh, hope the public did take their contrived gross exaggerations literally and, and seriously. They called it an insurrection. No, it wasn't an insurrection. It was a terrible, terrible deed. But its scale came nowhere close to an actual insurrection. Uh, the writers had no plan, no intent or means to overthrow the government. They had no army to support them. Uh, their leader, I referred to before, some bare-chested jackass with a fur-horned headdress, leading the charge with a spear. Some, some insurrection. Uh, once inside, the, the rabble smiled for selfies and grabbed up souvenirs. Can you imagine what the Vegas odds might have been that this mob would win and cause the death of our democracy? It was more
4: pathetic than dangerous but it,
3: it was wrong and illegal. Now, it was dangerous enough, and it was outrageous and inexcusable. Sure. But it didn't rise to the level but of But I wasn't worried
4: about the, the government being overthrown.
3: No, it, it was a political protest gone crazy. And, and their goal was to disrupt the Senate count, if you remember, of the state's electoral votes for president. Now, by the way, they had <laughs> this wasn't going to happen. Certification of those votes had already been made by individual states. That was a fait accompli. Under the Constitution, the Senate's role is mostly ceremonial and simply to check the math. Neither the Senate or Vice President Mike Pence had the power to overturn the election. So the whole thing was a fool's
4: errand. If, if anything, it showed the strength of our nation when challenged by something like this.
3: Yeah, and my, my criticism of those clowns, and, and clowns is too kind a word, uh, who did that, hasn't been tempered at all. Right now... The Democrats are pulling their punches about criticizing the people who are breaking federal law by yelling and screaming and intimidating conservative justices of the Supreme Court where they live. Now, if they want to demonstrate outside the Supreme Court building, fine, go demonstrate there. But it's against the law to do what they're doing, and they should be roundly criticized by Democrats, and there's a, a conspicuous, a deafening absence of that kind of, that kind of vocal criticism.
4: So, so there. In the media as well
3: course liberal media does what it does that's why we call it the liberal media Susan Whitkin
6: hello hello hello
3: what's coming up in the news
6: we've got Denver in well it's not in a really great state when it comes to the COVID numbers now level red I'll tell you exactly what that means at two o'clock right here on KOA Colorado's news talk and sports station
2: hey guys it is Ryan I'm not sure if you know this about me but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can I like to work but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Mandy Connell Show is sponsored by Bell & Pollock Accident and Injury Lawyers. Now, it's Mandy Connell on KOA, 850 AM and
1: 941 FM.
3: Mike Rosen in for Mandy. <clears throat> Mandy will be back by, uh, by Monday. Uh, One thing I wanted to promote, incidentally, and I've been doing this for uh, almost 40 years, hard to believe. When I first started doing this, I didn't even have a computer. Not everybody had home computers back then. Uh, And I did all this kind of stuff by hand. I, I have this massive Excel spreadsheet that I use every year when I analyze the new federal budget. And not just what's been proposed or promised, some of the promises being unrealistic. Uh, but going back and looking at the trajectory over all these decades, uh, I, I've done presentations on this. It's, it's a, now a PowerPoint. <laughs> Years ago, there weren't, there weren't PowerPoints. It wasn't even Microsoft. Uh, and I used to use overhead transparencies. All right, well, now it's a whiz-bang power, PowerPoint presentation. And uh, I'm going to show you the extraordinary increase in government spending along with the national debt soaring because we're well beyond our tax capacity. And I'm doing it at the Independence Institute. That's John Caldera's outfit. You know, he substitutes a lot here on KOA and KHOW. Uh, And it's open to the public, and there's no charge. Now, this is January, excuse me, June 29th from 9 to noon. It's a full one-morning and I have to be careful of just scratching the surface. I could spend six months on this presentation going over every line item in the federal budget, but uh, nobody could possibly withstand that before falling asleep. Uh, It is is amazing, and we are in a very serious predicament right now. Uh, When you you see the graphics on this, it will amaze you. So uh, you can go to completecolorado.com, that's the website for the Independence Institute. CompleteColorado.com. You find my columns there too, as well. And right there on your landing page, over on the right side, there's a little photograph of me. You can click on that. it'll take you to a landing page where you can register. Uh, the seating is limited. And uh, I suspect in another few days it will probably be sold out, although, again, there's no charge for it. So just go to CompleteColorado.com, click on that that icon of me, and uh, sign up for it. Uh, You will be very glad you did, although you will be also walking away with some serious concerns uh, regarding what our future is from the standpoint of federal finances. All right. Uh, 303-713-8585, our telephone number. We're now in the listener participation part of the show. And I've got a, a, a friend and uh, an expert on all things financial, Wally Smith. He's the founder and president of Ridgegate Financial. I have had I have Wally on the on the show, on the air here several times a year. of two or three months since the last time we had him on. But with the market taking a, the, another dive yet again on top of two dives before, I thought you'd like to get... Wally's perspective on this, um, his alternative investments, if you're scared of stocks. On the other hand, there might be some bargains coming up pretty soon since markets do tend to turn around. Uh, Wally, great to have you with us again.
1: Well, good to be here, Mike.
3: Uh, Tell us a little bit about Ridgegate Financial, and then I'll open it up to calls for people who probably have some questions.
1: Sure. We're a financial planning firm. I started the company about uh, 19 years ago. And what we try to emphasize is um, not to buy and sell things and hope you're doing well, but to have an overall plan for it. And uh, what's the planning impact of when you choose your Social Security or how you sell that rental property and what you do next? Those are all critical decisions, uh, social security. We'll talk about that some today. What's the planning impact of how you take your social security? So uh, that that's really what we do. And we work with anybody. We don't have any kind of a minimum or anything, but we're just, we're happy to help. All right. Time for a disclosure.
3: Yes, uh, Wally and I, in addition to being friends, we're also business associates. I have a, a um I'm a resource for Ridgegate Financial, consultant, yeah. uh, for which I am paid. Uh, I'm not going to retire on that, but uh, Wally uh, looks for my input on certain things, and I'm happy to give it. Uh, so uh, this is not an endorsement. And uh, uh, as you know, based on some bad experiences I've had in the past, I don't make any specific recommendations on any stocks or ETFs or any, anything else for that matter. Uh, and uh, Wally does this for a business, but I, I do need to say that uh, uh, this is not a complete arm's-length guest. Uh, he and I are uh, are friends, and uh, I think he does a wonderful job of what he does.
1: Well, thanks, Mike. You know, I came to town, uh, oh, 35 years ago, turned on the radio, and there you were, and I felt a real connection. So when we started to be able to do business together, uh, I thought that was uh, pretty exciting. The consulting you do for us is great. You, you could say I'd do a wonderful job at what I do. I, <laughs> I think somebody the year, said that once. The the year. Okay, well, where do you want to start today? Well, you know, I think a, a good uh, uh, a good start is the two big questions that we have. i say people who call us or come in referred or uh, find us on the line or, or whatever, um, their concerns are basically two camps. Uh, one of them is... Not really tinfoil hats, but it's a matter of looking at what's going on in the world. I mean, to have a country, you need to have a border, you need to have a language, you need to have a culture. All three of those are being uh, under assault, and that scares people. Um, the problem with that is that uh, you get scared, you move everything to cash, and then you're losing money safely as your dollars erode. So there's this paralysis by uh, all the, the difficult things that are going on in the world. And that's, that's true. That's not a political statement. That's just recognition of, uh, of reality if you open your eyes. Um, the other side is folks who are saying, well, okay, inflation looks like it's on the upswing, interest rates are on the upswing. What's a prudent way to invest now? How do we, uh, allocate so that we're not correlated completely with the stock market? And we can, we can help both of those camps. Uh, one requires a little bit more handholding and we're good at that. But, uh, we really do like to address the, uh, you know, what's going on with, uh, interest rates. Um, is cash a good place? Is bond, are bonds a good place to be? And, um, you know, I'll be at your Independence Institute uh, uh, lecture. I think that's going to be interesting. I love seeing the update each year. But there's kind of a deep, deep hole, you know, if interest rates go up to where the, uh, all the revenues of the government can't even service the debt, uh, then what? So those are the questions folks come, with us, come to us with.
3: Now, you might be happy that you've put your money aside, parked it out of the market, and haven't suffered the losses on paper. However, when Wally talks about the ravages of inflation, uh, and uh, once again, the, the market was off 600 points early today precisely because the new CPI numbers came out, 8.6% uh, year-to-year, and I think 1% month-to-month. Was that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if that continues, that's 12% by the end of the next year. Uh, let's say you take $10,000 and put it in a mattress. Uh, that $10,000 doesn't buy $10,000 worth of whatever you want to buy a year from now because its purchasing power has been reduced by, let's say, 10 or 12%. It's only worth $8,800 or $9,000.
1: That's right. And so how do you plan for that? I mean, you and I were looking at an, at an article earlier from Barron's that uh, interesting point, you know, money is just a tool and money buys things. So what is the buying power of the dollar? Ah, uh, the Social Security benefits since 2000 have lost 40 percent of their buying power. So the uh, the colas, the cost of living adjustment, the cola that uh, Social Security gets each year is supposed to be indexed to inflation. And there's so many different ways. There are a lot of different versions of the consumer price index. Uh, but let's just say they're not keeping up with the uh, you know with the buying power with what people need. So I think this, uh, uh, how do you plan for that? That's really what the question is.
3: So people were complaining in recent years when inflation was um, being tamed and the annual CPI increase in a couple of years was only 1.3%. I can see that twice Mm -hmm. here in a a 15-year period. They were complaining that their Social Security uh, payments didn't increase by very much. Well, they're not complaining anymore.
1: That's right. (laughs)
3: They're going to get a big jump. If you get get $3,000 a month in Social Security, and let's say the inflation rate is 15%, we've seen that uh, not too many years ago in the Mm -hmm. 80s, Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden you get 15% of of, uh, $3,000, which would be a $450 bump in one year.
1: Well, and they got a 5.9% raise uh, this year, and it looks like uh, it's next year it's going to be perhaps uh, 8.3, 8.6 in that range for Social Security. But when you consider that uh, from January of 2000 to March of 22, um, the Social Security benefits uh, increased by 64%, but the cost of goods increased by 130%. So that that's hard for you know for fixed income for folks who are younger for folks who have uh, some options or multiple sources of income like they should since Social Security was never meant to be a replacement for everything uh, they're better off but you know what's heartbreaking is when we get a call from somebody who is trying to find an, an extra few bucks out of their social Security and they don't have any other assets or any other income it's very difficult
3: I should say that for the benefit of seniors uh, the impact of inflation on seniors doesn't necessarily equate to that of younger people because their purchasing uh, their purchasing behavior is different.
1: That's right. That's right. And also the uh, but also seniors have um, have costs. Consider Medicare. Uh, it looks like Medicare uh, the Part B premiums have risen by fourteen and a half percent in 2022.
3: All right. Let's take a telephone call. Andrew and Greeley. <clears throat> Wally Smith, our guest from Ridgegate Financial, what's your question?
7: Well, so I have a question. I'm 27 years young, and I've got a 401K and a 457, but I really don't know the difference between the two. And I was hoping that you could just explain that to me, you know, exactly what they are and how they work for you.
1: Absolutely. Well, the 457, there are programs that nonprofits or government institutions uh, will generally offer different from commercial or private companies. Uh, 401ks are generally private companies. 401a is generally a uh, nonprofit or a government institution. 457s, uh, also known as a tax, uh, tax-sheltered annuity plan, uh, those are also tend to be more government. You'll have those if you work for the county, um, that sort of thing. So one of the things to, to uh, look for an opportunity with any plan, what you have is what's called a summary plan plan description. And that's really uh, supposed to be that supposed to be a summary that tells you in plain English how your plan works. Um, At your age, one of the best things you could be doing is looking at the Roth side of it, the uh, putting in after tax money. Uh, It hurts a little bit more now because you don't get the tax deduction. But that is one of the uh, one of the good things the government has put in place in the past was the ability to have a Roth 401k. So I would I would look at that option.
3: Which means Perfect, that when you. you take it out of the 401k, you don't have to pay tax.
1: On that's it. right. So you put the money in and consider the at 27 years young the decades you have before you're going to need to tap into your portfolio. If, you, if all that money can grow tax-free and come out tax-free, that's a tremendous advantage. You should take advantage of that. Perfect. Thank you so much. You bet.
7: Andrew,
3: thanks for calling. Do you see a a bottom to the market? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but are we approaching a bottom?
1: Well, you know, we look at, uh, (laughs) with your last call or your last guest, I was listening, and uh, uh, there's so much political intrigue, so much has been manipulated in the markets, and that's really the the difficult part is to say, are are the markets reflecting accurately the sentiment of the people and what's going on in a free market economy? Um, Hardly. You know, uh, so there uh, the economy, I believe, is absolutely manipulated. Now, one of the things I look at is that all the legislatures, uh, state, federal, local, uh, they all have investments. So there must be some ways to invest. that are not going to uh, uh, end up in, you know, in destruction. Um, As far as the market bottoming, uh, for folks who have a little bit more resources, the looking at that financial plan, the planning impact of everything they're doing, they shouldn't have all the money in the market. There should be some money that's in what we call alternative investments and alternatives means alternatives to the stock market. Um, traditionally you look at, uh, consider people talk about a 60, 40 blend between stocks and bonds. Um, I don't want money in bonds right now. If you look at the aggregate bond index of Vanguard since the first of the year, it's paying out about 2% and it's dropped 14% in value. So you're losing money safely, right? Because the bonds are safe. I don't, I, I don't agree with that.
3: Savings accounts. Yes. Now, Once upon a time, by the way, people had to pay a fee just to have a checking account. Mm -hmm. Rarely is that the case now. Uh, But in your uh, savings accounts, in the last few years, you've been getting one-tenth of one percent interest, or two-tenths of one percent interest.
1: Small fraction, yeah.
3: Uh, With inflation moving, why aren't the interest rates in savings accounts moving up so that your real interest rate, which is the nominal interest rate minus inflation, is better than something negative?
1: Well, you know, you're old enough to remember pre-Jimmy Carter days, and uh, uh, credit card rates at the time were, you know, uh, single digits still. And then when inflation crept in during that time, that's when we saw interest rates go on credit cards on the cost of borrowing uh, or mortgages, mortgages 14, 15 percent. Credit card rates going up 25, 30 percent interest rates. But then they tamed inflation. But what happened to the interest rates on the credit cards? They stayed high. They stayed right on up there. So I guess the uh, the question is, uh, it's it's they can do it. There's no compelling reason for the for the banks uh, to give out more money than that on the savings account. And people just look at a savings account as a place to park money. When we do financial planning, when uh, you know, several things. If somebody calls us and says, hey, I've got a million dollar rollover from my 401k, what should I put it in? In my, in my opinion, there's only one answer, a fiduciary, somebody who's uh, got to look out for the client's best interest legally. There's only one honest answer to that, and that's, I have no idea. Until I get to know you, until I know what's your purpose, what's the planning, I can't tell you what the portfolio should go into. And so with a 401k, the very first uh, or a big rollover, or a big investment, the question needs to start with what liquidity do you need? It always has to start with liquidity and whether that's in the savings account, as you said, or whether it's in uh, negotiable instruments. All right. And for an individual, as
3: far as a plan, uh, a long-term plan for a 25-year-old is not nearly the same thing as a long-term plan for an 80-year-old whose long-term isn't very long.
1: Absolutely.
3: All right, let's take a break. Wally Smith, our guest, 713-8585, our telephone number. If you would prefer to text, we can take some of your questions by text. And that uh, text number is 566 90 566 Susan Wickton, what's coming up in the news?
6: We're going to stay with this theme that you guys are talking about with the money and inflation. And you're going to hear more from one of our economic experts at 2.30 right here on KOA, Colorado's news talk and sports station.
3: This is Mike Rosen in from Mandy. Today's Friday. Mandy will be back on Monday. In the studio with us is Wally Smith, the founder and president of Ridgegate Financial. You're looking for some investment advice. Uh, Wally, you don't actually hold people's money. It's not no. like dealing with a stockbroker or Merrill Lynch or something like that. Uh, you just give advice.
1: That's correct. I mean, sometimes some folks have had bad experiences uh, investing directly with somebody who actually holds the money, too. Um, you should always have the money held by a third-party custodian. That would be, you know, Big Wirehouse, Fidelity, Schwab, TD, those kind of places.
3: All right, let's take a phone call. 303-713-8585, our telephone number. Let's go to Joe in Fort Collins. Joe, what's your question for Wally Smith?
7: Well, Mike, first I want to say I've listened to you for 30 or 35 years, and since you've been off the air, I have become very illiterate politically, (laughs) and I blame you for that.
3: I take full responsibility.
7: So, I wish you were back on the air. I, I put you and Tucker Carlson about equal. But um,
3: By the way, did you hear so, about well, uh, my federal finances PowerPoint presentation that I'm gonna do June 29th?
7: No. I uh, just picked up those.
3: This is a, uh, a full explanation of the federal budgeting process and where we've been, where we are, and where we're going with uh, graphic slides, or I shouldn't say slides, but <laughs> illustrations through my PowerPoint. It's open to the public. Uh, the Independence Institute is uh, sponsoring this. And John Caldera, who of course, substitutes here as the talk show host who heads up the Independence Institute. Uh, John has made this available at no charge. So if you would like to come or wow. you know someone who would, just go to CompleteColorado.com. That's the website for the Independence Institute. CompleteColorado.com. On their landing page, over on the right side, you'll see a picture of me. Just click on that, and that'll take you to the registration place, and you can you can register online. It's a, a full morning, the morning of June 29th. I highly recommend
7: it. It's, it's an a good eye-opener. picture too. Thank you. Yeah, it's my thank bar you. picture. Uh, yeah, I'll look into that. All right. So, um, thank you. Question for Wally. Wally. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I've got uh, I've got. Money in municipal bonds that brings in about 75000 a year. My wife and I bring in about $3,000. i am 76 years old. We bring in about 3000 for Social Security. Um, I've got three properties, including our home that's paid off. I, my biggest worry is I definitely want to try to save the big portion of that money for my kids. I, I'm getting about 4% off of these municipal bonds. And I go back and forth. You know, I think, God, am I making enough interest? But but now it's so risky right now. When and I don't even know when the time would be to start if I were going to buy bonds. And I don't know if anybody knows that. But do I have too much in in municipal bonds, or what do you think?
1: Well, that sounds. First of all, you sound a lot younger than uh, 76 years old. You said so. uh, (laughs) He must be doing something right. what you described has about six things wrapped into it, current income needs, income and expenses, generational planning, the amount of liquidity that you need. Um, all of those factors go together, as well as the real estate. The uh, real estate has appreciated so much, and that's one of the areas that we help folks with is find ways to ring the cash register on that now without getting killed on the capital gains, actually kicking that down. I mean, you'd really like to have the real estate be something that the kids inherit someday at a stepped-up basis, uh, unless they change the laws. So uh, there are, we would actually suggest using alternatives to bonds. Uh, We could uh, You'd be happy to chat with you about that. Uh, Four percent on bonds. The problem with bonds is you end up getting locked into them uh, because the value of the bonds themselves drops as interest rates go up. It's kind of a a seesaw or a teeter-totter that way. Um, So so the the overall answer is, unfortunately, it depends. You need to look at your income, your investments, your taxation, your health, and your legacy. All five of those planning uh, factors will really recommend what the portfolio solution should be for you.
3: Now, you have mentioned some other alternatives. For example, uh, there are outfits right now that are buying up single-family residences, Mm -hmm. especially in the Midwest where... House prices aren't as inflated as mm-hmm. here and in other places. And uh, they buy those up, and then they rent them out for the benefit of people, especially younger people who can't afford to buy a house in this mm-hmm. market. Uh, the the supply of rental properties, especially a nice single-family residence rather than an apartment, uh, is probably not keeping up with the demand. This Correct. seems to be an alternative that... Uh, isn't subject to market volatility.
1: That is one. I mean, so you're not going to have the stock market volatility there. Um, When the, uh, uh, you know, what was it, the consumer... uh, act that required uh, the banks to make all those bad loans so elizabeth that, warren act. Yeah, yeah that crashed back in 08 mm-hmm. um they did not i mean the the home builders did not step up they did not recover they did not build the uh, demand is way outstrips the supply of single-family rentals so that is a very strong market they're actually entire subdivisions that are um, sfbfr single-family build for rent um, that is a good place to be. Uh, that's And
3: those some of those uh, investment opportunities trade at net asset value, they uh, do. which goes up, and also you get dividends.
1: Um, it does go up. It can go down. It's still real estate. But uh, you'll find those, and those are things we help folks with, but those are often non-publicly traded. If you want to get away from market volatility, I mean, we had a little bit of a hiccup in the stock market today, it looks like. Um, market's down about 4%. Um, but that would be stock market. That would not be private markets, private assets. So there are a lot of alternatives for that. They're insurance products that will generally outstrip the bonds historically.
3: Uh, Give a contact number if someone wants to talk to you about
1: it. Well, it's easy. 303 Planner. uh, 303-752-6637. And uh, we're happy to sit. No obligation. We'll sit with you for an hour and, uh, uh, either in person or on the phone and talk through things.
3: Joe, anything else?
1: Thank you. Okay. Thanks Joe.
7: Thanks,
3: Thanks, for your phone call. 303-713-8585. You can also text us at 56690. Dave, the new texts aren't popping up on my screen. Uh, if It's not refreshing. If you've got some over there, uh, help me out with that. But here's one I do have. With inflation, fl- inflation causing us to lose money in cash and the stock market losing money in our investments, How do you manage your assets, cash or investments, without losing on one or the other? Now, that's one or the other of those, but you were talking about other alternatives.
1: Yes, and the the proper thing to do is to look at it as a financial planner, which is income, investments, taxation, health, and legacy. But the thing that trumps all five of those elements is liquidity and that's what forces people if you say, if somebody said hey i've got a big ira and why would i ever sell assets when the market's way down well maybe you have to take out a required minimum distribution and you have to take a distribution out you have to lock in a loss so the most important thing where we start with every conversation we have with somebody we're trying to help is, uh, what liquidity do we need? You can have preservation, you can have growth, but you really need to have liquidity. Once that's provided for, uh, then we look at alternatives. Uh, there's some good, uh, insurance companies, for example, has some good alternatives to savings accounts, to bonds that, uh, turn, that return pretty competitive returns. And with those, you can say, you know, a modest gain that never suffers a loss, that will outperform a volatile market. So we, there are definitely some options, some opportunities. Uh-
3: Annuities are, inv- are available, uh, especially those that have no downside, unless the insurance company that runs the annuity goes out of business. Right. With New York Life and people like that, they're not going to go out of
1: business, not likely.
3: Uh, Now, they don't offer the same upside potential in a volatile Mm -hmm. market that's soaring. However, it gives you complete downside protection.
1: Well, you're describing what's called an indexed annuity, a fixed indexed annuity, without getting too far into the weeds. There's two types of annuities. One's called fixed, one's called variable. Whenever you see the word variable, that equals risk. If you see the word fixed that says that there's not a uh, a risk to your money in the market. It's not invested in the market. And there are some excellent tools there, Some also some real clunkers too. So uh, we have folks, if uh, uh, we actually call it annuity rescue, people who have annuities that they've had for 5, 10, 20 years, and maybe they haven't kept up with what's available in the market, maybe they have lost Um Right now, people who have variable annuities, and they think they've been doing great, they go back and look at it now and with the market having corrected somewhat this year, and their value of their annuity has gone way down. Well, how can that be? Well, that's because it's a variable annuity. So we can definitely help out with that, and that's just one tool. Sometimes it's a good tool. Sometimes it's not.
3: In Biden's original budget submission to Congress in April of this year, Mm -hmm. talking about fiscal year 2023, the fiscal year that starts on October 1st, 2022, publicly he was talking about this tax on billionaires. Uh, Well, looking at the guts of it, I discovered that it affects people who aren't billionaires. As Mm -hmm. a matter of fact, how low does it go?
1: Uh, Pretty low. I I, I don't know the exact number.
3: I think $400,000. Yeah, yeah, uh, of net worth we're right. talking about, not That's necessarily right. annual income, uh, which isn't what $400,000 used to be. As a matter of fact, if... Uh if you're going to retire mm-hmm. on a four hundred thousand dollar nest egg, it's not the comfortable retirement that it was in nineteen
1: ninety yep. or two thousand. You remember Thurston Howell the third from Gilligan's of Island? Of course I do. Yes. Yeah, he was a millionaire, and his wife, right? He'd have to have eight to ten million today to to have the same buying power that he had on Gilligan's Island.
3: Dave Lauer will remember this. You remember the program, The Millionaire? John, John for Tipton. Tipton, that's right. <laughs> Someone would get a million dollars. This was, the, it was a, a, a regular series. It was on once a week. Yes. Someone would get a million dollars from uh, John for Tipton, who remained anonymous, but that person couldn't reveal to anybody in their lives where the money came from, which created all kinds of problems, but a, a million dollars.
4: I keep waiting for Michael Anthony to knock on my door. He was the guy that would knock on your door exactly. and,
3: and tell you, and the and the and that little
4: portfolio this. with the check in
3: it. But a million dollars was a fortune then. Isn't it? Oh yeah. a million dollars in in nineteen fifty eight dollars. Uh, what's that today? You have the, oh that would probably that for,
1: probably around ten million. Yeah, in that range. So well, it, and yeah. consider that a million dollars today uh, invested in nominal investments, getting say five or six percent. Uh, that's not even an uh, uh, average household income anymore.
3: And 5 or 6% pre-tax.
1: That's right. That's Talking
3: right. about taxes, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, another thing that the Democrats have been floating, the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren types, and Biden as well, is a tax on unrealized capital gains. Oh, means. yeah. So let's say uh, you had $100,000 invested on a stock that... Uh, doubled over the course of a year. Now it's worth $200,000. And you want to hold this stock because you like its long-term prospects. However, if that tax would have gone into effect, and it might still, mm-hmm. Congress is able to pass this. Uh, and let's say the capital gains tax rate uh, is the, the equivalent of the uh, individual tax rate now. You don't mm-hmm. let's say mm-hmm. they do away with the, the income the rate, lower sure. ta- capital gains tax rate. So let's say it's a, a 30% tax. Even though you haven't sold the stock, you had a hundred thousand dollar gain on paper, unrealized, because you hadn't sold it, and that means that hundred thousand dollars you'd have to cough up thirty thousand dollars and send a check to the government, or make that part of your—that's right—fill you out your tax return. An unrealized capital gain, which right. means you might have to sell some of that stock in order to pay the tax, but in the next year, you lose it all.
1: Or the we get a correction like we did this so far this year.
3: Yeah. So do you get an unrealized capital loss credit?
1: Right, right. I, I don't think you so. You don't. No, you don't.
3: The government will take your winnings, but your losers, right. you you pay for the whole thing.
1: Well, and also that uh, negates the entire uh, estate tax uh, discussion because now there's not a step up in basis anymore, as that would go hand in glove with that.
3: Explain to people what that means, to step-up in basis.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it's uh, whatever it's worth. If, if you bought something long ago and then you sell it today, that's a capital gain because you've got a profit. Um, so, this is in
3: the event of somebody's death. So right. Your so if somebody dies,
1: then they'd say the value your estate got it at was today's market value, and you could sell the next day and not have to pay taxes on that. So, and Mike, if, what's the website again for your event this year? A completecolorado.com. Completecolorado.com. Okay,
3: yeah, that's the Independence Institute landing page, and if you just pick on, click on the my image on the right side of the page, it'll take you to the registration page. You can you can register, uh, no charge. Uh, it's nine to noon on the morning of June 29th. and uh, um, I've been doing this presentation for decades. I've never seen
1: numbers like this.
3: Yeah, and the shape Never. of the ch-
1: the charts are hockey sticks. It's,
3: it's yeah staggering what, what you're going to see. Yes, Dave Lauer.
4: Yeah, that was a great guess. By the way, from 1958 to 2022, one million dollars would be worth ten million one hundred fourteen thousand. All right, excellent estimate. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, which means that uh, that's like a hundred thousand dollars today if someone yes, were going right. to be offering you yeah. that. So the show would be called The $100,000 right. Air Show. Yeah,
1: okay. Contact number? 303-PLANNER. Uh, That's 303-752-6637. And uh, we're happy to chat with you about the planning impact of any financial decision you're looking to make.
3: Okay. Uh, well, I had a bunch of things I was going to talk about today, but three hours goes by very quickly. Uh, one thing I'm I'm saving, and I'm going to be filling in for Ross Kaminsky. Let's see. My fill-in schedule gets busier and, and busier. I'm filling in for... Aren't you retired? Uh, yes, yeah, so, sort of. Uh, Monday the 27th, and then for Mandy the whole week or most of the week of August 1st. So I'm saving up some things, uh, one of which has to do with the claims that corporations are gouging people right now and that's why prices are going up keep in mind we live in a very competitive market economy if you buy at retail you can shop at amazon and any number of other places who are fighting tooth and nail with each other and the market clearing price tends to equilibrate supply and demand i'll get into that the next opportunity i have wally thanks for being with us thanks mike this is mike rosen uh, mandy again will be back on monday
1: with
0: lucky land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere